Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bingity bong and a bing bing bong ba ba da ba di bong ba di ba di ba di bong ba di ba di ba di ba di bong ba ba da ba da bong. It's adjustable time. It certainly is, and that's not an accident. This is we've sat down purposefully to record an episode, haven't we? We certainly have, Jim Bob. My name is Claire Tonti. Your name is James Clement. We are married. We recommend you things to watch, read, and listen to. The way that this works, oh yeah, technically, I bring two things. Mm -hmm. Just just for new listeners. You bring two things. We swap notes. Sometimes we argue. Sometimes we have a little laugh. We often make fun of each other. And then we go our separate ways. And often Claire will leave whatever she's brought into the studio until next week. For example, (laughs) the book that she recommended last week is still in here along with whatever this list of things is. Oh, that's my notes. Don't read that. I'm that's reading for today. your notes. That's for today. Give it that's back. That's for today. Give it back. No, these yes. are mine now. Oh, you're so These annoying. are my rec- – even the goat puppet has just like slid down with his head in his lap. That's how I feel internally. No, you left the notes out. So these notes are mine. Oh. I actually didn't do my homework, so this is now my so. homework. I recommend – Stop ruining the surprise. Heal the mother, heal the family. Oh, this sounds right up my alley. I it really, is because this is my recommendation. Stop <laughs> hey, reading my notes. That's mine. Jeez, I didn't sleep very much last night. Who I'm writes, planning this international tour. Who writes physical notes? Me. On a, I like when I In a do, big texter. When I do a podcast interview, which is what these notes are for, I need to write it big and I like to write it in text because I actually don't even really look at the notes very much. It kind of is a process of me getting in my head because I'm an artist, James, and that's how I do it. Well, I'm also an artist. Podcasting is an art. So is making videos and make fun of movies. That's an art, some people think. (laughs) I am not a judge of art, so you can say what you like. You're not a jart? I'm not a jart. I am a fart. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, That's, I'm so sorry. That's a real Mesa thing to say. No, it's not because it wasn't really a good joke. No, it really wasn't. Mason would have said a better funny. joke. He, he would have. <laughs> and he would have said something I would have been like, wow. That was so And that would have been because I couldn't think of anything to build on from it. <laughs> True, I know. Anyway, do your two dates. Come on. Oh, yeah, you knew I was going to do it. Jeez, rushing me Come along. on. Thanks for having me on the Weekly Planet this week. Oh, you're welcome. It was real fun. We talked about The Little Mermaid. It was great. So International Tour, I've got additional dates now too, but let's go through them. So I am going to be in London on 2nd of July, 2 p.m., the Isle of Dogs. Really bloody excitingly. Holly (laughs) McNish, who I've talked about on this show before, who is one of my favourite poets in the whole world. Her poem Megatron was one of the reasons why I made my album. I reckon I listened to it so much. She made me feel fierce in my mothering. She has agreed to read some poems at that show. So it'll be Amy Taylor-Kabaz, Holly McNish and me, 2pm, The Isle of Dogs, The Space UK. Tickets are all in the links below. Then I'm headed to Exeter on the 4th of July. That's a 10am show baby accessible. It is on the top of a big hill though, so it's not very accessible for wheelchairs, but we can make it work. You just have to contact the venue. Mm. Um, So that's the Hall Exeter on the 4th of July. 
Thursday, the 6th of July, I'm going to be in Dublin. That's an evening show. It starts at 8 o'clock. It's going to be a candlelit vibe. I'm so excited about this one. Amy is also speaking at that. I'm going to be playing through my album. I might even do some um, new songs that I've been writing as well. And it's going to be really beautiful. So 6th of July, Dublin. Now, I may be going to Cork on the 7th. I'll keep you posted on that. I'm not sure. So on the 8th of July, I'm heading to Glasgow. And I'm going to be doing a show at the Kingsborough Gardens Sanctuary. Very excited about that one. And then I'm off to Edinburgh. Now, this show is at the Caves in Old Town. What a cool atmospheric venue, candlelight. It'll be Sunday afternoon on the 9th of July. And oh my gosh, I cannot wait. It's probably one of my favorite venues we're going to do. I just love that all the venues are really different. And this one looks super amazing. So that's called the Caves, 2 p.m. on Sunday the 9th in Edinburgh. Oh my gosh. Then I am headed... So on the 11th of July, I am heading to Manchester. I'm going to be playing an evening show there at the Eagle Inn in the band room. Very cool. And then on the 13th of July, I'm going to be in Petersfield playing at the Petersfield Museum and Art Gallery in the courtyard there. That's also an evening show. And then my last show, I'm heading to Basingstoke and I'm doing an event with Lucy Jones at the Willow Coffee House, which will be a book launch in her local town for her book, Matress and a chance to play some songs, have some yummy coffee and um, afternoon tea. And that is on uh, Sunday the 15th of July. And then I'm headed home. So that's it. I don't really even have time to scratch my bum. That's a very, very packed well, in schedule there. I have some time to scratch your bum. I hope you <laughs> Allocates one of the shows is just that. <laughs> anyway, you know what you paid for. You know. Anyway, all the details are over on my website, claire20.com. Under events, you can buy um, tickets all over there on that site. And I would just so love you to come and bring people, bring your friends, bring your mother's group, bring your partner. So if you're a bloke listening to this and you think, I don't know about this album, I would so recommend coming with your partner. Even if you don't have kids, it's such a beautiful chance to reflect on what it means to be a woman, to contemplate the idea of having a family. And I think if I'd known about the concept of matrescence before I had kids, it would have changed so much for me. But aside from that, Mm. I'm really just bloody proud of the music, hey. It's not just about motherhood. It's about love and heartbreak and meeting the love of your life and how we change as people as we go. I had a beautiful comment from Frank, one of the listeners, who just said he listened to my album and he said, if you're going through something, this album will really help you. And I thought, oh, God, that just made me feel um, so seen and really grateful. So, That's it. That's enough for me talking about all my music stuff. Why don't you go next and talk about your things? I got this for you, Claire. I got two big reviews. This not review suggestibles this week. The first Mm. one is called The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Oh, now have you seen this (laughs) movie? Hang on a second. What? What? I'm talking about Ed Sheeran. What did you say? You said The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. No, I said The Banshees of Insurance. Oh no, you don't. Gaslighting at work. (laughs) No, I did say Ed Sheeran. You're right. Uh, it's written and directed by Martin McDonough, who people might know as the writer and director of In Bruges, <gasps> which is a really yes. great movie if you haven't mm. uh, seen and it. And Town, we went there. We did go to that, that we town, that's right. had some chippies there. We did, that in, the Belgium-style chips that they mm, do with fries. mayonnaise and whatever, the whatever, whatever. Mm. Anyways, it stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Kerry Condon, Barry Keoghan, Mm. whose name, whenever I pronounce it a different way, people are like, no, that's wrong. And then they tell me a different way, but then that's wrong. So I don't know what to believe. Who knows? Anyway, he's great also. They're all, everyone's really good in this. And here's the synopsis. Mm. 
on a remote island off the coast of Ireland. Uh, Ireland off the coast of Ireland. Wow. In 1923, uh, Porrick is devastated when his buddy Colm, so Porrick is played by Colin Farrell and Colm is played by Brendan Gleeson. Um, you know who Brendan Gleeson is? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. So with the help from his sister and a troubled young islander, Podrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary. However, as Colm's resolve only strengthens, he soon delivers an ultimatum that leads to shocking consequences. So it's one man saying to another man who have been friends for decades and they're on this small island together in the 20s, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And he doesn't really give any explanation up top, but he's just like, I don't want to go to the pub with you. I don't want to sit with you. We are not friends anymore. And Colin Farrell's character is like, what the flippin' heck? Mm. Uh, or whatever they'd say in Ireland. What the flippin' What sh- What the leprechaun? Yeah, they'd say, what's the, the leprechaun? <laughs> what's the little So he's trying balls. to figure out what's... What's the green clover? That's right. <laughs> he's trying to figure out, like, what? why would he do this? And Colin Farrell's character is, like, he's a simple man. He's, like, uh, he's a dairy farmer. Brendan Cleason's character loves music and he's a little bit older. So he's like, what's going on with this guy? Has he... They're, always, they're talking about like, has he got, the, has he got depression? They're, they're talking about depression a lot because it seems like it's a new thing that has kind of come into, the, it's come into vogue to get depression, you know? Anyway, so it's revealed very early on, and this is a slight spoiler. I do recommend if you like In Bruges, if you like Seven Psychopaths, another one of his movies, any of the movies in this kind of vein, then I would, I would recommend you watch this. But it's revealed that Colm, who's Brendan Gleeson's character, is just, he feels like he's getting older and he's just wasting his time talking just absolute nonsense with Colin Farrell about like, talks about like, you know, donkeys and farming and island life and whatever. And he's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to spend my days like wasted, like being bored and just wasting time sitting with you every day, all day. Like I I don't want to do this anymore. He wants to make music and he feels like that Colin Farrell is like sucking kind of any kind of creativity or spark out of him when he just wants to get this done. Which is also like opens up a lot of questions of like, well, isn't that's kind of mean to like just because you think that, you know, you're more high-minded and this is a, he's a simple guy that you have the right to be so mean to him. But also he makes it's a good point in terms of like why should he have to sit there every day and just like have these banal conversations that he doesn't want to have. You know, I think this is so interesting. And look, mm. I haven't seen seen it, but what I do find fascinating is friendships in that way. Yeah, where particularly when one person decides to do something different to try, and, it, it could be like an exercise thing. It could be like opening them up themselves up to new opportunities. Yeah, and their other friend has decided to really knuckle down in life is shit and miserable and that kind of yes. victimhood of like. And to be fair, life can be really difficult and miserable, but it is really interesting as you get older where people can sometimes just get stuck in a mindset yeah, and then they refuse to see any of the good things in their life or how they could potentially change. They just want to spend their time complaining about it and drinking beer or whatever they like to do with their buddy. Yeah. And when the dynamic shifts and one person decides to progress or work on themselves or something happens to them and their life completely changes. It's really, it can be really sad. It can Mm. be really tricky. And we're not really taught how to do that in friendships. In relationships, that's still hard, but you're used to having that conversation where like, it's not you, it's me, or like, we're moving on. You're no longer my partner, you know, my boyfriend or girlfriend. But in a friendship, 
that's it's it different. It's a hard conversation. It's a hard conversation. To have, yeah. yeah, and also I think more to the point, it is kind of this idea that we just have to be friends with people for forty years because we knew them in high school, and yeah. that's like a badge of honor. In some ways, like friends are there for a reason or a season, and as well, and maybe they are forever, but also it's okay if you move on and you're different yeah. people now. Especially I think too if you feel like a friendship is holding you back in some way mm. or they want you to stay the same. It could even be I know that this is in patterns of addiction or, mm. for instance, someone who's a smoker, right, and their friend quits and smoking was a thing that they shared together yeah. and they were both kind of in it together and then now they're no longer. Yeah. Or it happens too when someone, uh, when two friends are really close and then one of them gets into a relationship. Sure, absolutely. And that yeah. can change that whole dynamic as well for better or worse. I know Dolly Alderton writes a lot about that and in her show Everything I Know About Love, that was the theme, that her best friends, she gets so heartbroken every time they get a boyfriend because suddenly mm. she's gone from being their person to not being their person mm. almost overnight for this person that they might have only known for a you know, a couple of months and she's known them for 20 years. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Friendship Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what this does really well is there's no, like, right answer no, for exactly. either of these guys. Yeah. Like, again, he does have the right to be like, I don't want to I don't want to do this. But the way in which he goes about it is also. Really mean. It's really mean. And it kind of escalates kind of wildly and it covers, like, mortality and, like, leaving a legacy and friendship and, like you mentioned, like, being stuck. There's a really interesting character played by Kerry Condon, who's the sister of Colin Farrell and they live together and she's, I can't remember whether she's never been married or she was married and she's not now, I can't remember. Mm. But she's kind of a, she's a probably late 30s and she's clearly like one of the smarter people in the village and is just in an era where that is not, like being on this island is not, it's not good for her, you know. Mm. And she acknowledges that her brother is like, he's just a pretty simple kind of nice guy but that's not necessarily a bad thing. But her being there also she finds really difficult because she she longs for like something else. And it's interesting seeing how her character in relation to the Brendan Gleeson character who wants to play music and so they both have these higher ideas mm. but how they both handle it and how they handle it in in different ways and one, let's say, is probably more healthy than the others, than the other without, uh, you know, getting too much into, you know, why that is the case. But it's it's just it's a very interesting movie. It's also really really funny. Mm. Like all of his movies are just kind of I, I, I couldn't even explain a scene. I, I, I wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't is sound it absurd, funny. A little bit like no, a little bit. Not, or is yeah, it more it's a little. Real yeah, it's, a bit of, it's yeah. It's, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just it is. It's just perfectly timed like absurdity. It's like brilliant, brilliantly performed by everybody. It's just, I, again, I can't explain, I couldn't explain a joke in this, but it, yeah. it is, I, there were I, at least twice I like laughed out loud in this movie ah. that's not comedy really. Yeah. Do you know what it makes me think of, which I think is just, I find human behaviour really just fascinating in general, mm. but the idea, and I've seen this happen, where someone is genuinely smarter than the rest of their community or family yeah. or the area they live in, but they choose to stay. Yeah. And part of it is because deep down they like, even though they kind of hate it, 
they like that feeling of being a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, and being better than everybody. Yeah, yeah. and they kind of hang their hat on that identity. Yeah. Because then to leave, and sometimes it's it is you see this sort of pattern happen where they go and become a little fish in a big pond, mm. and they and it's too uncomfortable, or yeah. it doesn't quite work, or they don't like it, so they come back home. Yeah, absolutely. And then they kind of have that. They can hold on to that idea of being. Yeah. Yeah, the big it's like being the best finals. runner in your school, but yeah. then you go to like I don't know a state final <laughs> and you come like seven hundredth or something. Yeah, you know, that yeah. it's uh, it's it's you know you realize that oh shit, you know maybe yeah. maybe I'm not special. You know? Yeah, there's actually Taylor Swift has a heartbreaking song on folklore about that, mm. and the whole idea it is about and I can't remember the song's name, but it's about this guy that or person in their high school was like the best and brightest in their hometown. Yeah. But then the sheen has kind of worn off. They've become an adult. Nothing worked out the way they thought and and they sort of drink too much maybe and are kind of stuck in a job they don't like. And yeah. Yeah, it's that whole idea of what you think your world will be and then versus the Easy reality to, of what yeah. it is. And do, when, yeah. yeah, and then when you're in high school, I think, and you're told you're, you know, the best and the brightest or something like that and the reality of, the real world. Oh God, this is very depressing. Sure. Anyway, but I but there's also people who will find that and then go to you know leave their hometown. We've got friends who grew yeah. up in the country who've never gone back. No, and you also mm-hmm. you can you cannot be the smartest or the best person in high school and still yeah. do at any point in life. I mean, look at us. You can do it. exactly. <laughs> Yeah. The stupidest people. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, you know, like neither of us, you know. We we really did not peak in high school. Let's no, put it that well, way. I'm the yeah. I'm the opposite of, of an interesting person in high school or in life. But uh, I don't but think anyone in your high school even would remember who you. Were. No, I'd be shocked. But you know, <laughs> teachers pick the people in your grade level. Oh, well, some of them might. Yeah, but um, yeah. No, uh, that's not to say that. Wow, look at me now. Look at no, me. No, that's not what I mean. Yeah. I just mean like yeah, and also I just think that life is way more magic and mysterious and I think if we can we sometimes talk ourselves into boxes yeah and convince ourselves of stories like we're not good enough for that or we're not better you know other people deserve that I don't deserve it or life is always terrible to me and you know whatever story we like to tell ourselves it's really interesting Mm. just to think and examine them because most of the time they're not true yeah absolutely so and Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, how do we get there? Uh, it's it's great. It's kind of it's interesting from the perspective of also like if you're if you are depressed or you have, you know, you're clearly going through something, to what extent are you is it okay for you to be mean to other people? Yeah. Like, using mm. that, that as an excuse, like to be awful. It's also like a metaphor for like a civil war, which is also raging in, in Ireland at the time. It's like about grief and letting go and abuse like being born in the wrong era or the wrong place, mm. getting kind of um, de- like anger. Like it's a very angry movie also. Mm. I highly recommend it uh, if you do. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. I've, I've been kind of – I've had it for a, for a while and I was like, oh, maybe not a while, maybe a few weeks. I'm like, okay, I will watch this. I should watch this. And then I'm so glad that I finally sat down and, and watched it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, because I knew that, like, this isn't going to be something I can just kind of put on in the background and, you know, do something else. You know, mm. just sit and watch it. Yeah, properly, which, which is great. Yeah. I'm glad. Awesome. All right. Cool. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I will then talk about my recommendation. I Ooh. think that's the time of the show that we are Ooh. in. Ooh, how exciting. All right, so I mentioned this on the Weekly Planet, but I thought I'll talk about it here as well. I watched the Ed Sheeran documentary. Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Yeah, <laughs> Banshees of Ed Sheeran. It's, just Ed, it's mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran dressed as a banshee screaming. So it's four episodes. It's on Disney+. And I found it so fascinating and heartwarming. It's it, he's completely kind of different in a way to what I assumed I knew about him. Well, what's interesting is because, uh, and we both agree on this, he's not that he's not like super good looking. So if he if he wasn't so talented, oh, then he wouldn't. He wouldn't All be right. That popular. So James <laughs> keeps saying this stupid thing that his friend always says about like Ed Sheeran wouldn't get. As it's not as Ed Sheeran. It's anybody who's not like super yeah. good looking. I just looking. find that the least interesting thing about <laughs> this documentary. I and love said it over and over. I again. know, but I love that. Like, we talked about it recently on the Weekly Planet, but just like yeah. I know, yeah. but it's also just a limiting <laughs> view on what's attractive as well. I just think like yeah, just totally because I don't. I just think people. It's not just an aesthetic thing. No, obviously not. On also, any like level. he is good looking. Let's be yeah, real. but Claire. he is. He's very charismatic. Obviously, yeah. very charismatic as you would um, think. But what I hadn't realized was how hard he works and also how yeah. talented he is, which I know sounds strange because he's one of the biggest pop stars in the world. But you often think, oh, he's like a guy playing guitar and singing. It's like an aesthetic. I kind of thought. Maybe he's kind of the product of a record label in a way or yeah. something. But you see from very early on that like even as a teenager he just decided that was what he wanted to do and he was so driven and he just saw his peers kind of playing once a week or something in pubs and he's like, well, I'm going to play three gigs a night and if they won't have me at the folk club, I'll go to the hip-hop bar and if they won't have me at the hip-hop bar, I'll play at the jazz club. And because of that, you can see it's had a real impact and influence on his music and the area of London that he grew up or England that he grew up mm. in as well he's heavily steeped in that hip-hop scene and a lot of the story actually the um the whole kind of documentary based in four parts starts with of with um how Ed Sheeran became Ed Sheeran really and Jamal Edwards who I hadn't realized played such a pivotal role in Ed's career so Jamal not only played a pivotal role in Ed's career but a lot of other um, musicians' careers and what he was doing was taking his iPhone or camera and filming young like people his age, his peers, who are really incredible musicians and putting them online back when no one was doing that. Okay. And he really made so many careers which is really amazing. Just by doing that. Yeah, yeah in the, particularly in the R&B and hip-hop scene and he was also an artist in his own right and just best friends with Ed, they were just inseparable And you see how much Jamal meant to him. And this isn't a spoiler, but as you find out early on, but he he passes away. Mm. Um, And I think it's a drug overdose from what I can understand. Right. And very suddenly, and in that same little bit of time, Ed's wife, who you get to meet and see, and she's actually a friend of his from high school. They've known each other a really long time. Yeah. Um, she also gets diagnosed with cancer while oh, she's damn, pregnant with their second child. Oh my, has he got kids? Yeah, he's got two. Does he? And this is what all I found really interesting. Oh, he's as well. thirty-two. Yeah. yeah, I always think that like he's like twenty-two, but yeah, yeah, he's no, been he's thirty-two. For ages, yeah. What's really beautiful about it too is you can see he's he's really grounded. I know it's a documentary, but he lives in Suffolk in England and he's gone back there because that's kind of his hometown 
and his parents live very close. He's like got this really close group of mates that he goes a lot of the time on tour with who he's known for a really long time. The documentary kind of shows him before and after kids and then how their life has changed and it's just it's a really beautiful look at a really, really talented performer and also just how hard you have to work to be where yeah. you are. But also, as you know, I love the genesis of songwriting and you see him in the studio writing songs and that in itself is really interesting. Even like his song Bad Habits, he, that came because his wife was talking to him about how his daughter's developing bad habits getting into their bed at night time, which we can really resonate with. And so it became this whole other song that's actually about like being in a nightclub or whatever and like desiring someone. But like that whole phrase came from there and you see him kind of, you know, creating that in the studio. It's so interesting. Oh, okay. Um, and just, yeah, when you watch someone in real time experiencing grief and then not being able to process that. And I think you kind of get the sense that he's this like really kind of joyful little kind of enthusiastic lad that, you know, everything's kind of gone right for him for most of his life. And then that hits him where his wife gets cancer and Jamal, his best mate, dies very, very suddenly. Plus he was embroiled in a court case over copyright to do with his music. Oh, uh, yeah, in a no, very I know all about that, yeah. Yeah. That would have been very... um. That would have been like awful for the music industry if that had have gone through. Oh yeah, because it's like it's like particular chord progressions that you can't use, which is lunacy. Yeah, it's just crazy because every yeah. chord, like, there's only so many notes in a scale and so many chords in the chord progression. Yeah, what I find kind of great about it as well is that you get to then see, like, because most of his career, he's made these big pop hits. Yeah. That like people have adored and like that song, you know, Perfect or about his partner and they're they're beautiful. And then all of a sudden when that year hits him, he then writes this album of like really very personal, yeah. very heartbreaking songs and he gets up and performs them in this church and cries on stage and his wife says into the camera. I saw a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. it's the first time I've ever seen Ed cry on stage and definitely he very rarely cries in his personal life anyway. Mm. It was so raw and such a beautiful performance but really, really different for him. And just quickly before I finish, the other wild thing I hadn't realised was that he is a solo artist and when he performs he does it all himself. Yeah, so, I didn't know that either, yeah. So wild like that because he does these giant stadiums and mm. he just has loops and loop pedals and he uses his guitar and percu- for percussion and then he has keys and then obviously he has like things he turns on and off. But that's wild. I heard him there's say, no safety net there. No, and it's interesting because I heard him because I saw that bit and he was and you see him run around the stage like hitting yeah. different loop pedals or whatever and singing into different microphones to get like I don't understand music but to get loops going. Yeah. And then he says that so every time he performs that song, songs, um, it's remade every time and then it's instantly gone. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Really cool mm. and and so difficult and he would not need to do that. At this point no, he could easily not. have like a whole band. He could have more than a whole band. He could have like whatever the bloody hell he wanted. He could mime. Yeah. <laughs> and people would be probably not know and be fine with that. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I loved that artistry. Watching him do that was so cool and really inspiring. So anyway, I loved it. Uh, Ed Sheeran. Disney Banshees Plus. of Ed Sheeran. Check it out. That's what it's called. Cool. I won't watch that. But uh, from what I saw, it was good. Because there's no point in me watching something if you've already watched it because then I can't recommend it. <laughs> I recommend the TV show Succession. 
Oh, uh, what? That, I have never heard of that. What is that show People, that you speak of? I mean, it's of? good and it ended well. <laughs> so if you're like, oh, but will it end like shit? Should I watch it? I think you should. It's That's great. actually really hard to do because very often, like, for instance, the finale of Game of Thrones, terrible. I know. People, terrible. Are, I mean, so many shows have actually ended well. Like there was only like a handful of examples that have really truly dropped the ball, mm. uh, I feel, and Game of Thrones being one of them. But not mm. even everybody thinks that. Some people think mm. it was cool. Um, All right. But anyway, All right. I anyway I'm not really talking about Succession, but I do recommend Succession. What a terrific show. And I'm and also it, it ended and it's like I could definitely watch like another season of this wow. and more. That, which but is it, a nice way to, yeah, to finish it. But it was also it. like I wasn't like, boo, this is. It's just There is like an ambiguity to it, but if you kind of know the characters and know what has been set up and has been put in play, you have an idea of where everybody will end up. If that makes sense? Yeah, it does yeah. make sense, which is great. I mm. saw a beautiful Instagram post by Sarah Snoke who's just She's great, yeah. so incredible in this show. Australian. Um, Australian. Australian. Australian, mate. Australian. Australian. Yeah, but I just thought it was a beautiful post about what the show has meant to her and how hard everyone has worked on it and how life-changing it has been for her. Yeah, she's really yeah, good in that show. I love that. And she's younger than me, which is quite frankly outrageous. Oh, God, that's happening She's actually younger than you. <gasps> No yeah. one's younger than me. I found my second grey hair. I pulled it out of my head. Don't you worry. Do you know what happens when you pull out the hair, though? They all the come. The grey ones are connected to your brain. Oh, no. I'm worth it. Worth it. Worth, worth it. it. <laughs> all right. Any, Here we go. go. Here we go. Second grey hair. <laughs> I had my second grey hair when I was nine. Yeah. Um, Mason is what? not here. <laughs> Saved it. Wow. I saved it. Oh, no. Uh, no, I watch the show. Do you watching call a show. Mason Clare sometimes? I am. I think I definitely have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm, but he's probably the name other than our children and you that I say the most in my Mason, life. Yeah, and you always say it in that same tone. Mason. 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 Yeah. Mason. Let me tell you. And sometimes when he arrives at the door before you got the mics on you, he's like, Mason, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's interesting. I saw a comment that was, um, I think it was in the Reddit, I can't remember, that was like, Oh, it was nice seeing Claire and Mason interact and Claire seeing how funny Mason was, is, which is like, which I thought was really funny because it's like, I've you know each other, you see each other like every, every day, you talk like, not every day, but whenever he comes here to record. We chat. You, you, you're, you're friends. Yeah. You've, known each, you've probably known each other for nearly 20 years. You've known each other as long as we've known Seven, each other. Like at least yeah. 17. Yeah. I know. I love that. I, I know. It's just so funny to me. It's like, what do I see? I never see you. Like it only appears in the pod studio, like a little puff of smoke. Uh, <laughs> so strange. Anyway. anyway. That's nice. But anyway, it was nice. The person was, was really like, it's nice, nice to see Claire and Mason. Yeah. Every, a couple of people like, you should have your own podcast. You guys should do at least one of these together one day, I reckon. Yeah, that would be quite fun actually. Yeah, do it. Yeah. All right. All right. This show I watch, Ing, it's still in the process of being watched because it's not finished. It's called Silo. It's created by Graham Yost and it's based on the Wool series by Ooh. Hugh Howery. Mm. It stars Rebecca Ferguson, mm. Rashida Jones, mm. David Oyello, Tim Robbins. Now here's the synopsis. In a ruined and toxic future, a community exists in a giant underground silo that plunges hundreds of stories deep. There, people live in a society full of regulations they believe are meant to protect them. So something has happened to the outside world. It went full toxic all the time, they think, right? Mm. So for generations, people have lived in the silo. There is nobody in the silo who has even a shred of an idea of what has become of the outside world. It's so many generations deep that, like, it's just it's stories and, you know, things that have maybe been written down and recorded about the outside world, but everybody only knows the silo that they're in. There's about 5,000-odd people in there. But the question is, like, why are they in the silo? 
Like what is this actually, what is actually going on? It's this huge infrastructure that they all live in and there's one screen or there's one camera to the outside world mm-hmm. and by the, and when you look through, you know, and there's a big, there's screens, you know, there's one particular big screen in like the main area but everyone can, you know, there's a few all over the place where you can see what's going on in the outside world and it just looks like a barren, dead, like wasteland that's out there. And so there is this sense of like, is this real? Like, is what is being shown real? And if it is real, how much of it is actually real? Is it like a distortion or a manipulation of what is actually outside? Mm. And because they're all inside, internal, there is a limit. There's limited resources in terms of like food, in terms of like everything has to be recycled that can be recycled. You don't throw anything out because you need it. It either becomes fuel or it gets repurposed, right? All the food is grown internally and et cetera. There's also limits on what you can learn due to a series of rules that were put in place, including like really specifically weird ones like magnification. Like you can't have magnification too strong to a certain extent. Mm. And that might be something to do with developing technology that can figure out kind of what's happening. So if you limit what people can learn, then you limit, you know, what they can know. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) I think so, yeah. yeah, And the government system that runs it, like it seems weird, but it also might not be... They might not even know what actually has happened. Maybe they're just all on this treadmill together, you know, trying to mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. But again, it's just it's generations of people that have been in this silo with no concept of anything else, which is which is happening like on the outside world or really has happened. Mm-hmm. There's a few kind of relics of the past which might pop up every now and then, but they don't. Again, they don't really know why they're there. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who's a lead in this, is really great. People might know her from some of the Mission Impossible movies and other things. Uh, there's going to be 10 episodes. I think it's a bit over halfway at the moment on Apple Plus if you do want to check it out. Don't you love an Apple Plus series, Claire? I actually really do. They really They've been often making often some have good, good stuff. Ones. They've been yeah. making some good stuff. Yeah. Whenever there's a new series, it's always at least worth, like, checking out. Mm, um, yeah. Unlike with something new on Netflix, I'm usually like, no. <sighs> yeah, no I think much. I'm going to cancel Netflix. Oh, really? I know. I've, I've been watching people do that. There's just nothing on there, man. Like, yeah. what's on there, really? I don't know. I mean, the kids use it, I guess, yeah, sort of. Do they? But they, yeah, mainly do watch they? ABC Kids. It's really. true. Really? I canceled I Binge because Succession finished. I'm like, canceled, done. I'm finished right. with that. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. I love that. I um, reignited our Paramount Plus. Whoa. I know. I didn't even know it was unignited. I know. I don't know why I did that. Was it cancelled? It seemed cancelled. Okay. Anyway, it was a show that I wanted to watch. What uh, was it? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> wow, it must have been really good. Yeah. Oh, it's that one with Pacey from the um, Joshua Jackson. You know the one? There's like some like sexy thriller thing. Oh. What's um, that? It's supposed to be good. Yeah, it's but there was a movie with like Glenn Close and Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's some kind of thing. I thought I haven't watched it yet, but I I, I had the intention. You know how I've been it's struggling like, it's to called watch like TV Mysterious recently? Affair or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. And I was like, Indecent Ooh, affair. I've always loved Joshua Jackson. Fatal Attraction. Is that it's what called, it is? It's called yeah, Fatal yeah, yeah. There was, you go. Uh, there I thought a... it might be worth a watch. I think I saw it. I'll see advertising works on some big banner. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll get into that because I really have not had much grab me recently, yeah. TV wise. So, um, which you know, to be fair, 
Did you know I'm an artist, James? Just writing the album, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all, yeah, that's also got Lizzie Kaplan in it, who's great. Who really mm. like Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, yeah, well, that's another reason. Anyway, so I'll, if I do get around to watching that, which I will now because I've got my. Well, I hope you enjoyed. Yeah. It's got a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh God, terrible! People are saying uh, that it's uh, that's bad. Not very. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Okay. Can I talk about my thing now? Not that it matters. Like, don't don't listen to reviews or us. Do or watch us. whatever you Who want. Who knows? I'll just watch it. I'll watch a little and see. All right. So I am recommending a book by Amy Taylor Gabaz. Now you may have heard me talk about her before. She's a matrescence activist and she's coming with me on tour. Oh my and God. I am so excited. I'm going to be talking to her for Taunts, my um, podcast. And I've actually recorded an episode of her podcast called Mama Rising. And that is available now. So if you want to go mm. and have a little listen, I do a real deep dive into a lot of the songs and she's done this beautiful job. It's only half an hour. They've interwoven a lot of my songs from the album in between our discussion. I think it's just like a really unique half an hour's worth of podcast and I loved it. So she's really an interesting person. More interesting um, than me? Oh, always. Most people what? are. <laughs> no, I love you. Anyway, let me talk about her podcast, but also her book. Now, Amy was an ABC journalist. And then when she had kids, she kind of had this sort of full circle searching moment where she was looking for a word to kind of understand what happened to her during that time. And she found matrescence. And she actually has met with Aurelia Ethan, who is one of the people that has really done a lot of research into matrescence itself. And she's just been on this kind of, it's almost 15 years, I think, or more journey finding out more about it. So she's a real matrescence guru. Her book called Mama Rising is beautiful. It really does an incredible job of unpacking what matrescence, so the transition to motherhood, really means for women. Um, But it's also interwoven with her own wisdom and because what Amy does is she runs like guided meditations, she has coaching and workshops and so many strategies. So it's not just about this is what matrescence is and this is how it affects your body and your mind and your life, which as I've talked about on this show before is profound. You're profoundly changed when you have kids. Um, It changes the, you know, makeup of your brain. It changes the way that you view the world. It then changes your body permanently the way your life runs on a day-to-day basis, right? But then she goes a step further and gives some really beautiful grounded advice for how to navigate matrescence in a way that will enrich you as a person and really give birth to this new version of you where you can feel really grounded and solid and in your new role and also yeah. fly with it, which I think is just so beautiful. So It starts with childbirth and her own story. She had a really traumatic birth um, with her first child. And then how when we talk about spiritual growth, it's kind of like uh, dilating and contracting, so opening and closing and and slowly growing. But things it's not always, you know, 10 steps forward and we just stay there. It's often then a couple steps back. Absolutely, yeah. So to grow, to move through matrescence, is going to be some steps forward and then some setbacks and yeah. you know, but that's like a lot how, of things. You know, it's not normally a clean line. Yeah, and anything, that's how yeah. growth is, right? But yeah. just even knowing that you're in a state of growth and flux and becoming yeah. is really powerful. She has this phrase "mother becoming," which I really love. And her book is uh, sort of divided into sections: kindness, strength, trust, grace, connection, and then the birth of you. And at the heart of it, I think, is this word connection, which I is my word of this year. Oh, is it? 
Yeah. Did I not tell you that? I, I thought you had a different word. I don't know. I feel like you changed the word. You had a different word, but you've changed it. No. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to be sincere. I'm sorry. I just thought that um, I, I, uh, I'm making a connection, actually, by derailing. Let's get back on track. Go on, please. <laughs> anyway, and I think feeling deeply connected to yourself mm-hmm. and the earth is the way through all of it to then feel deeply connected to your kids. And then if you're walking with kind of honesty and heart open, you're then more likely to really make connections with other people too from a real, really deep place, which I think is incredibly special and which I think is what happens with art as well. When you make art, then you're putting out something in the world. And what I found, I know people are going to be like, yeah, the musical. Anyway. I yes, I am sincere, and I really believe this. And I know you shouldn't that it have might to apologise you know, for being naive sincere, or whatever. But I don't think it's naive. It's naive. I think it's actually very truthful. And um, when you put something out in the world, writing or art or music or painting or whatever, it's like shooting a beacon into the air and saying, "This is how I feel." Does anyone else feel like that? And when it comes from a really deep, sincere, honest place, it's amazing who comes mm. back towards you to seek you and connect with you. And it's just. The greatest gift, and I'm so I feel so privileged to be doing the work that I'm doing. And Amy's book really um, solidified a lot of things for me, and I'm so excited to hear her speak in person. So, uh, her podcast is called Mama Rising. Her book is also called Mama Rising. She also has just the best episode, other than the one that we did together. Obviously, there's so many other much more wise and wonderful people that she talks to. But one that I loved particularly that really moved me was with an author called Annabelle Sharman and she's on Instagram at Live in Oneness and her book is called The Future Ancestors and she is a First Nations Muti Muti woman who honours her ancestral cultural heritage through her work as a multidisciplinary artist and healer. She's a certified social worker, Reiki master and holistic counsellor. And today her work is located at the intersections of art, culture, community, health and well-being. At the core of her mythology is the Yulma spirit cloth healing process, a unique merging of therapeutic practices, cultural knowledge, storytelling and art that cultivates a deeper connection to self and others and that often leads to improved well-being and emotional healing. And all that is to say This episode is so profound. Mm. Um, Listening to a First Nations woman talk about her relationship with place, with land, with community, with family, and it made me think so deeply that the problems that we're having in matrescence, in motherhood, really come back to a lack of connection to community and that women are having to do it and parents are having to do it in such isolating circumstances, regardless of whether you've got the privilege of money and, you know, like a warm, comfortable house, you may not have those extended family networks. And yeah. listening to Annabelle talk about the way her family dynamics work even and what they mean in her life, what her nephews and nieces mean to her, all of that, it was just so beautiful and moving and made me realise how many things <laughs> We often get wrong in Western culture and how sometimes solutions might seem really complex but also are simple. Yeah. So it's just a really profound episode and I'd recommend going to follow Annabelle Sharman as well at Live in Oneness. Okay. That's really cool, Claire. Thanks, Jack. 
Wow, the sincerity. What? I can't be make connection and be cool? <laughs> no, I really love that. Thank you. But well, that's also, really good. It sounds like it's something that has deeply affected you and it's something you've thought about and then you wish to share with other people, and I think that's a good thing. Great. Do you have a review for us, James? Well, I was actually going to say, speaking of good things. Oh, yes. by the way, thank you for everybody putting up with my episode where I was super sick last week where I was like, I'm oh, dying. Oh, your poor little brain. I'm dying. I can't code. podcast. Your brain, your brain. It my was... brain's back, sort of. I have to say, you did a really great job despite... All the challenges. I'm a professional, Claire. A lot of people don't know that, but I'm excellent. I'm a big fish <laughs> in a small pond, and I like to carry that with me everywhere I go. Good, good. This uh, review, I think you're going to love, Claire. Mm-hmm. It's from Decoy Frank. And you know you can just review this show in app, any app, not. whatever you're listening I to. See. And Decoy Frank says this. First of all, five stars, thank you. It says, James and his, uh, and his other wife add more stuff to my backlog. James and his other wife, Claire, suggest so much. I couldn't possibly get to everything in one lifetime. Claire often suggests thoughtful pieces of music and literature, while James daydreams of Ninja Turtles and Nick Mason's magnificent beard. (laughs) Sometimes he suggests stuff too, probably a comic or something. I have a suggestion for Claire. An Invocation for Beginnings by Z Frank on YouTube. It was posted as his first video after a long hiatus. I have had chronic depression since I was a teen. I'm in my mid-30s now and keep this video on every device I have as a way to kick my brain out of the inevitable morass of unmotivation and negative thoughts that I sometimes just wake up with. You often speak of mental health and suggest ways to better oneself. So I think you'll appreciate it as much as I do. Maybe James will too if he can stop performing the ninja rap for a whole three minutes. <laughs> Love the show. Thank you so much for all the suggestions, even though I know I'll never get to even half of it all. That's from Franco. Thank Aww, you, Franco. So that's, that recommendation was an invocation for beginnings by Z Frank. Ooh. On YouTube. Love that. Um, Collins also, will link that below. And I'm going to add that recommendations. to my list right now of things. Beautiful. All right. And I have a wonderful letter. If you would like to write into the show at suggestiblepod at gmail.com, we would love to hear from you. Recommendations, comments, suggestions, a voice memo if you feel you can record Whoa. your little voice into you your have a voice memo this and week? send it to us. No, we don't. Ah. But I'm asking for people to send one in if ah. you would like to. I'd love to hear your voice. doesn't even matter where you are, if you're walking or in your car. We'd love to hear from you. This is a beautiful email from Kat Hill. Dear Claire and James, I would first like to congratulate Claire on the truly beautiful album. Every time I listen to it, I have to stop what I'm doing because it hits me in so many ways. You're welcome. As a trans woman and a mum in the UK, boo, the album told me things that- they're saying boo or you're saying boo? No, they're saying boo. (laughs) Yeah, that would be terrible. As a trans woman in the UK, boo. Oh, God, no, 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 no. They've written in the UK in like inverted commas, boo, because obviously that's a- it's a tricky time in the UK in general, <laughs> I feel. Yeah. It seems like a very no, tricky time. Is, yeah. So they say the album told me things about my children, sis, mum and myself that I doubt mm. I would have been able to access without this album and the many things I've learnt via the build-up to the release of the album. It has been lovely to talk to my own mother about the themes of the album too. I continue to suggest and recommend it to all. Oh, yeah. Kat, thank you so much. James, you're thank a good you so man. Much. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was going to follow up that with a humorous deprecation, but the thing is you do appear to be, at least from what one can glean from the various bits and bobs you do and say, that you are a good man and we need more good men. And that's no joke, you big dickhead. Gotcha. That's a really nice thing to say. Thank you for saying I don't know whether it's always true, but I appreciate oh, that. It's really true. I don't know about this straight shot kind of um, compliment that I'm getting. I'm not used to it. I'm like, <laughs> what was that? But it was very nice. I think I think it was I think I feel good from that. Oh, you should. That's I a mean, really nice thing to I say. I mean, Thank look, you. Kat did call you a dickhead at the well, end. Well, that's there, true just also. To stay in context. Things can know? be both can be true. But you are a really good man. Well, some and days. I'm, I'm very grateful. I have some days. <laughs> some days are better than others. Okay. 
Um, so Kat also says, throw Mason a snack for me, perhaps one of those truly hideous sounding ones you recommended the other <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, they do sound hideous, Kat. I totally agree. No, I, real food. that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. I would like to humbly suggest St. Giles Church in Wrexham as, as a venue for a gig. I've been to many there and they're always good. There is a classical season in town at the moment. Oh, okay. Mm, I did have a look. I'm not sure if I can make it all the way there. I've just been cramming so many gigs in. But I've already you never got nine, know. maybe ten shows. Yeah, I know, so, yeah. in two and a half weeks, which seems like a lot. So, And yeah. I do want to be able to actually see a little bit of the UK as totally, well. So yeah, we'll yeah. just see. But maybe, thank you so much for the recommendation. not this time, next time. Yeah. Mm, definitely. I would politely venture Adwaith. I think I've probably spelled I'm pronounce that wrong. The mm. Oozes and Baby Brave for new music and Om Units Threads album as a classic. Bidwitch, Catherine Fox. I don't know how you pronounce that. I'm assuming that's That Welsh. sounds right. <laughs> thank you so much, Kat. Really appreciated that thank letter. You, that Kat. was yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. Thank Very you so cool. much for sharing your what heartfelt delightful words. That was just that meant email. so much to yeah. me, actually. Mm. And you are. I'm really grateful for James. I come down on it. All right, I'm, I'm getting annoying. a little emotion now. Totes of emotion. Think about when I interrupted before. Yeah, and you, that's true. And you, gave me, and you gave me the death stare. Think about that. <laughs> I do have to say, and I know that men sometimes do get applauded for doing things that women do just constantly, like turning up to, sure. for their kids and, you know, being a parent and all of these Basic things. Basic stuff. But it happened to me actually today where someone assumed the kind that I was the primary carer in our household. Oh, okay. And I think that happens a lot and often that is the case. And I had to correct them and say, well, we don't have a primary carer. We're, yeah. we're, we parent equally. And in some ways, some weeks, James will do more parenting than me or vice versa. It but depends, yeah. overall, I don't have to blink an eyelash about the idea of going away for two weeks. It's a huge thing to undertake. Mm. But from the very get-go, you've been nothing but, yep, yeah, I'll do it. What do you need? And I... And forever grateful for that. And I know that in the reverse, so many women do that constantly for their partners, right? Where, yeah. Whether their partners work, fly in, fly out jobs or overseas or in whatever context. But I think I'm still allowed to say just how grateful I am. Um, well, I accept, your great, you. I accept your gratefulness and I have nothing to say in return. <laughs> I will I really accept that. I take that on board and I move forward. <laughs> now, it obviously works both ways, including last week when I was sick and you did literally everything while I was like, I'm dying. I think I'm dying for real. Wait, I'm getting better. Oh, no, I'm worse. (laughs) I got worse. I thought I was getting better, but I got a different thing. That's marriage. That's what happened. This is 40. All right. Lots of love to everyone out there. We've been to Just for Podcast. Thank you, as always, to Raw Collings for editing this week's episode and to Maisie for running our socials. And we will talk to you soon. That's right. Buy tickets to my show. I'd love to see you. I'll be there. I won't. I've got to be here. Yeah, Yeah. true. Maybe we'll call you during the show. (laughs) Maybe call me. Okay, bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.